Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Hour number two, good to be with you. And a quick reminder, soccer's returning, y'all. Soccer's back coming up tomorrow night. We're going to talk to Willie P here in about 37 minutes. I know you've heard from Willie P a lot today, uh, but it's the opener of the Charlotte FC season. Join Will Palachik and Jessica Sharman tomorrow night as Charlotte FC opens their 2024 season at home against New York City FC. The WFNZ Doghouse presented by Jack Daniels will open at 4.30 with the help of our sponsors, Pepsi, JJ's Red Hots, and Planet Kia. The pregame starts at 7, and all of the action begins at 7.30 right here on the flagship station for Charlotte FC. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Uh, again, we are loaded. Uh, we, th- this is one of those days where I accidentally overbooked the show, but I don't really care because we have great people coming in. Paul Biancardi in 16 minutes. We'll talk about the massive ACC weekend ahead and a lot of Hornets with Paul. Uh, he is my, of course, co-host on the NBA Draft Show here on WFNZ every year. So Paul Biancardi in 16 minutes. Willie P coming up in about 40 minutes. And then uh, Nate Wimberly back at 5 o'clock for the hottest takes you're going to find on the Charlotte sports media landscape. And then finally at 520, Doug Rice joining us from Atlanta Motor Speedway. We'll talk about not only his call of the race, his final call of, well, I guess the, the first, never mind. He's, it's his final season on the job. And he's also the grand marshal on Sunday. So Doug Rice at 520. Yeah. I mean, grand marshal is a bucket list item for sure for me as a NASCAR fan. And for Doug, he's probably listened to a lot of very good ones, some bad ones. I think we'll be able to get a good, strong delivery on Do Sunday. we think that we could get Smoke to be the Grand Marshal for the the Coke 600? That's what I want to know. Can we get Smoke on the track to be the Grand Marshal for the Coke 600? Well, let's let's be a little bit more reasonable here. That's a great. That's a uh, that's a crown jewel event. <laughs> all right. It, so, truck what about series, the Xfinity race? Series. Xfinity race. Okay. All truck right. series or Xfinity? Uh, I'm L- that's the goal. Well, let's let's see if the guys at Charlotte Motor Speedway can get Smoke to be the Grand Marshal for something. All right. This you you got Arca. Do- Arca. Yeah. There you go. I like that. All right. For now though, we go to Smoke with the best audio in sports. What did you say? You what? What did you say? Hold up. Wait a minute. All right, what you got going on over there? What's uh, what's the latest? Well, as we've mentioned, this Hornets team has been fun since the trade deadline. And one of the biggest differences has been on the defensive end. That's are actually good. And after last night's win, Cliff, of course, was quick to point out how good they were on defense. Really good because um, they rocked us in the third quarter. They beat us every way. They, you know, they had us spread out. They scored a lot of cutting baskets, which they're good at. You know, they didn't shoot the ball well tonight, but in the third, they started to get going a little bit. And, uh, you know, yeah, look, I mean, we had we had 29 points on the road on the third, and then, you know, we lost nine points, you know, so that was, you know, discouraging, but in the fourth quarter, we were a lot better. What are they, a fourth in the NBA in defensive efficiency in the last four games? It's a small sample. We all understand that, but... It, that coincides directly with the four-game winning streak and the changeover in the roster. Fourth in the NBA in defensive efficiency. Uh, you know, here we are talking about Cliff, and people are passionately arguing that Cliff should be given the chance to coach for his job. Others are passionately arguing, no, he's got to go no matter what. And a lot of it has to do with the defense. Well, they made the change on the roster. These guys are playing much better defense. They're buying in. And it also helps that, you know, Grant Williams could defend before he got here. Steph Curry, sorry, Seth Curry is an underrated team defender. We get all that. I mean, some of these guys like uh, Michich and Bertans, they're veterans. Trey Mann can D up. But I don't think you should discount Steve Clifford's contributions to that simply because there are only new players here. What else you got? We've talked a lot about potential wide receivers in the free agency pool this upcoming offseason, but 
when Brad Spielberger Esquire was on with Mac and Bone earlier this week, he mentioned one that we have not brought up much lately, Hollywood Brown and how he could be an intriguing option for Carolina. Marquis Brown is kind of becoming a little bit underrated. When I watch him on film, still a guy that can create separation, that is a good you know player in traffic despite his size, can make players miss after the catch. So, you know, there have been some injuries and some up-and-down play in Arizona, uh, but the talent is still there. Uh, yeah, the talent is – I don't know. The, you and I were trying to talk about Hollywood Brown yesterday, but we got – well, we didn't get very far. We, we, got, we kind of were on Calvin Ridley. Yeah, we were on Ridley and the guy and Mike Williams and Lad McHonkey and uh, you know the like. Hollywood Brown. If if that were the plan, would that do it for you, Smoke? It's eh, not a big guy. Eh, yeah, I mean, wasn't great last year, but also he was in Arizona and for most of the year they didn't have their starting quarterback and Kyler Murray. But it's. Eh. Eh. You're not excited about this. No, I mean, if it was a wide receiver three, but I feel like you're going to have Hollywood Brown's going to want a lot more money than you would probably want to give him. Yeah. Conspiracy <laughs> conspiracy Kings. We don't want no bleeping Hollywood Brown. We need a big receiver. Mike Evans size. <laughs> but hey, also, what you just said is the case in part for Lad McConkey. Sorry, Lad McConkey. Um, dude, he's a full three inches taller than Hollywood Brown. They're both like a buck eighty-five, a buck ninety, but McConkie's like a full three inches taller than Hollywood Brown, and he's going to run like a four-four, which is why many of us, depending upon what they target in free agency, wouldn't mind seeing them draft a young man out of Georgia. What else you got, Smoke? Earlier this week, Jeff Halfley met with the Green Bay media for the first time since being announced as defensive coordinator for the team, and um, it was made pretty clear when you listen to his press conference that he's very excited to no longer being a college head coach the other thing for me guys is i mean i probably got to watch more football the last week and a half than i've gotten to watch in like four months i mean as a head coach in college you're pulled in so many different directions i mean it, i feel like like a kid in a candy store again just sitting there and be able to watch tape it's probably one of the most refreshing and clear minds i've had in such a long time like i'm having a blast doing it wow that man hated college football jeff halfley was not having a good time in college football clearly before he left Boston College. I, listen, I think he's a good coach. I don't know what he's going to do for the Packers' defense, but I, I think he's a good coach. I really do. And I have found I, – I asked Chip about this, and Chip seemed a little bit hesitant to go all the way with, yeah, it's awful out there, but, man, when you got dudes quitting jobs because they don't want to deal with this stuff, when you got Mike Loxley at, at Maryland telling the story about how – He's got a third stringer, a second stringer walking into his office at Maryland at the end of the season, wanting significant raises on their NIL, despite not having matching production. Like, I I do kind of understand where these dudes are coming from. Um, there there are reports that before Nick, St- Nick Saban stepped down at Alabama, that like a dozen of his, you know, two deep guys came to him at the end of the season and wanted a raise on their NIL. And it's not that they shouldn't want more. I, I'm not discouraging anybody from wanting more. But... You know, coaches don't want to deal with this stuff. They don't want to be the capologist on top of being. The, and that's what these guys are right now, kind of. Right? You're dealing with pay for play, but there's no salary cap. Guys want to negotiate, but who are you negotiating with? It's a mess. What else you got? Look, I know the Kelsey bros have been the talk of the league for a while, but they're not the first pair of brothers to walk inside the NFL. As another pair of bros are the Longs. That's Chris and Kyle Long. 
And Chris was on the New Heights podcast with Jason during Radio Row Week. And he talked about how Kyle got the last laugh in one of their battles in the trenches. Ooh. And your guys' dynamic is different, though, because you literally play each other. Yeah, Travis and I, like, if both offenses do well, mm-hmm. our parents are actually, they're fine. Yes. But, they bet the over. Yeah, yeah. How many times did you actually hash rush Kyle? Very rarely. One time in open practice, though, when he came up to New England, I came inside on a stunt and yeah. he's a guard. Did you get him? Yeah. Oh, I got him. Yeah! So I crossed his face. This big son of a whips his arm around like a helicopter to try just anything. Yeah, not get reverse body block, brother. just like. And he fucking picks me in the ribs. He fractured my ribs. So you got him, but he got you. Yes. It wasn't worth getting him. Because the next, I got the last one. Yeah. The next month and a half, like when I was shifting around in bed, I was like, this motherfucker, dude. Even if you beat Kyle, you don't beat Kyle. <laughs> I like that. You know, we should make that a drop. Even if you beat Kyle, you don't beat Kyle. Make that, make that, add that to the start of the show. I like that. All right. In the interest of time, well, I see you got one more. Let's play it. All right. Well, we end in hockey as referee Garrett Rank had one of the greatest deliveries after a goal call review in last night's game between the Blues and the Islanders in St. Louis. Take a listen. If he hits it with his stick above his head, they're not going to like it, but the call on the ice was correct. No goal. No, oh, that's some good. Uh, Description there from Garrett Rank. That's pretty good. You're not gonna like it, but that's pretty. That's pretty epic. The only thing I was missing. Sorry, I'm not gonna like it. That's pretty epic. That's what did you say? The best audio in the world of sports. Uh, real quick, 704 number texted in on the FanDuel text line and said, "Please stop with the notion that the Panthers need a wide receiver. One, they need overall improvement in the wide receiver room. No established wide receiver is signing with them, and Lad is not one." Well, who's selling you Lad as the wide receiver one? We're selling you. I, I'm, I could sell. I could sell Lad McConkey to you as a worthwhile pick at 33. A guy who played on the outside, not in the slot, on the outside a ton more at Georgia than you probably realized. Is maybe bigger than you probably bigger than you thought, and is a legit 4-4 guy. I mean, I, I think that to your point adds to the overall talent in the room, especially if you're going to go target a bigger wide receiver in free agency. But Kyle, he's a, a what? <laughs> Stop. That's it's like knock off McC- Pat McAfee. Yeah, when you do that. <laughs> this is bad. Don't do that. 704-570-9610. We'll come back. We'll talk Hornets and college hoops with Paul B. and Cardi next on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join Wesson Walker on Monday where we recap the weekend in ACC basketball. Did Carolina and Wake come out victorious on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ? Radio 92.7 WFNZ. KB and Smoke with you here on a Friday. We are loaded here in the back half of the show. Uh, we got college hoops this weekend. The Hornets are back. We got the Charlotte FC MLS season starting up tomorrow night. 
and and so much more to get to. Oh, by the way, NASCAR is in Atlanta. We'll talk to Doug Rice at 520 about that. He's on his farewell tour uh, in NASCAR is one of the iconic voices of. And so Doug Rice back live from Atlanta, where he is the grand marshal for this weekend's race. Uh, coming up on Sunday, Doug Rice, one hour from now. And oh, by the way, Nate Wimberly, WBTV, uh, with some of the spiciest takes on Charlotte sports. He's back at 5 o'clock. But let's welcome back a man who always has busy weekends this time of year, ESPN College Basketball Analyst, National Recruiting Director, former Horizon League Coach of the Year, and a man who, let's let's be honest, has uh, one of the best heads of hair in the business. That's why he's on TV. Paul Biancardi back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Paul, how are you, bud? Kyle, how you doing? I'm not sure anyone's ever introduced me that way, but I'll take it. It's a magnificent head of hair, Paul. I, I don't say it to you because I don't want it to be weird between us, but you have great hair. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> I thank my parents for that. <laughs> it's always the genes. All right, buddy. Well, it's good to have you back, man. Uh, let me actually yep. start with the Hornets, my friend, because there are a lot of folks for the first time this year outside of that like opening night win over Atlanta that really want to talk about the Hornets. They've won four straight games. They're still doing it without LaMelo, but you know, the supporting cast is still getting it done. Grant Williams is playing out of his mind. Uh, what do you think of these guys? Out of the break, they won again last night in Utah. I know, and they haven't won in Utah, I believe, since, was it 2006? So anytime you've done something for the first time in a long time, uh, it's noteworthy. It really is. When I watch them play uh, since the trade, the team chemistry is evident, number one. Number two, their defense is improving. They're a very high assist rate team. You look at their assist to make field goals, it, it is way up there, close to 60% or more. They added three-point shooters. Their basketball IQ is is very good. And uh, they don't have LaMelo Ball or Mark Williams back yet. So a lot of positives right now for the Hornets. There's no question about that. I mean, pardon me. I, as far as the draft goes, Paul, uh, you and I hopefully are going to be together again for a third straight year doing the NBA draft show when June rolls around. But, you know, th- there are some fans out there saying, yeah, this is great. But, you know, for a team that's still 27 games under 500, that – It'd be nice to keep adding talent in the draft, and they're worried about falling out of the top ten or so. I don't really care about that personally, but like this draft seems to be so much more wide open and unknown than maybe the last couple. Do you have any favorite players in this upcoming draft? Well, I do, but I mean, when you talk about the upside of this draft, it's not as high maybe as in years past. It's certainly not as high uh, in next year's draft because those will be the freshmen in college basketball and. Right now, I'm ranking those guys in the high school game, and they are. There's a great deal of dynamic talent in the class of uh, 2024. Uh, when you look at the class, there are guys that are, are fit pieces. You know, they have to fit to what you're trying to build. Also, it's an acquired taste. What somebody likes at number 10, somebody may not even touch. So I think there's different pieces on the table. You know, based on what you're looking for, you've got a Ron Holland, who's an excellent defender. He's a lottery pick. He was a top five player in high school. Uh, great motor, great defender, great culture guy, not a good shooter. Uh, then you have Isaiah Collier, uh, one of the top point guards in the draft coming up. Big, strong, physical point guard. Uh, the Hornets certainly don't need an, another point guard. Um, you got Modest Buzelis, who's 6'9", loaded with upside, right? When I say upside, he's 6'9", he plays like a guard. And he shoots threes and he can make plays. He's not ready physically. You know, he'd have to go down to the G League for reps. So there's a lot of guys that you've got to take and develop, and, and you've got to picture them into your program a year or two from now. But let me say this about the Hornets. There's nobody 
in that organization that is trying to lose games for a better draft pick, period. No, I, nor should they be. Now, last thing on them, your no. thoughts your, your thoughts on Steve Clifford here, because I know you don't know what's going to happen, nor do I, and I'm tend to, I tend to believe that you know new ownership wants to start fresh with new people in most cases, right? They're, they're going to hire a new GM, and I think they very possibly hire another head coach, but isn't it also I mean, the, the difference between their performance with the previous locker room and what they're doing now? I mean, Steve Clifford looks more relaxed. They're buying into his defensive schemes and you know what he's asking them to do. They're fourth in the NBA yeah. in defensive rating in these last four games. Like, I, I, Do you think that Steve's got a chance to coach for his job here? I, I don't think there's any question he does, um, I, meaning he should stay. Uh, you, you look at the roster, right? So you look at the roster before the All-Star break, tons of injuries. I mean, they were playing with the second unit a lot. And they were competitive in a lot of games. I, I mean, I went to some games, and they would be competitive in the first half. They were very competitive against the Knicks in the first half. Second half, the talent takes over. You know, you play a game long enough, the more talented team most likely is going to win. Uh, we've had some really good coaches here, high-level coaches going back to Larry Brown. You had Steve Clifford twice. I thought James Borrego did a terrific job cultivating this program and growing this franchise in, into a winning, winning team. Um, and never got a chance, in my mind, to keep finishing the job. But you get Steve Clifford, this type of talent, and he's showing you what can happen. Let me tell you why. High IQ guys make your job easier as a coach. Defensive-minded guys, a little bit better defensively than before. Tough guys, guys that have some leadership ability. These are all things that are helping them win. It's not like they went out and got four All-Stars. right? They didn't get four All-Stars. They got four very good players who care about winning. You got a coach who's as good as anyone in the NBA, in my opinion. And I've known Steve Clifford since he was an assistant coach at Boston University. And he's been under some great coaching trees. You just can't keep changing the coach every three to four years. Change the talent, keep the coach, let them grow together. Paul Biancardi, ESPN. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Um, as I transition into college hoops here, Paul, we have some massive news that came down in the last 15 minutes. I'm not even sure if you've seen it yet, but um, the Tennessee, uh, Tennessee and Virginia have won their preliminary injunction against the NCAA. Uh, both state attorney generals filed suit against the NCAA. They've won this case uh, for now anyway, the preliminary injunction. So booster funded NIL collectives can now communicate with high school recruits and transfer portal players in these two states. I mean, this figures to have ripple effects across the NCAA, some even proclaiming the NCAA dead as a result of this. What, what are your reactions? Well, I did not know that. No, I've been watching film on these high school players all this afternoon, so that, that didn't come across my phone. Of course, it was on silent. I was waiting for your call at 420 today. Um, it, it, look, it, I think you heard Charlie Baker say it uh, on an interview recently. Um, the head of the NCAA legislation has to fix all this. It, it's not going to be the NCAA. It's bigger than them. Mm -hmm. It's going to be state by state, or it could be federally in terms of how the laws get passed. Uh, but for this particular uh, passing, you're saying that the boosters now can have contact with the recruits on NIL. Is that correct? Uh, yes, they can. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like they weren't before anyway. <laughs> Trust me. And even before NIL, they were having contact before. So the door, the doors have been, you know, pushed open. They've been propped open, and now they're knocking the doors down. Uh, this is going to be a, a statewide 
you know, law that gets passed. But eventually, I think federal law will come into the fact and say, this is how we're going to do it until until the schools decide to make the players, you know, employees and give them contracts. A lot of people feel that way. I know my colleague Jay Billis has said that publicly. Oh, yeah. You know, he's been ahead of He's been ahead of this for years, and we've had a lot of discussions about it. Um, and, and he's as smart as you're going to find when it comes to uh, college basketball and certainly the NIL situation. And I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, treat them as employees, give them contracts, and if they leave early, then you know, then there's penalties if they leave early. They they have to pay the buyout. You know, just like any other contract. So, I think I think it's going down an avenue where the schools are going to end up. Uh, facilitating the funds uh, to the players. I will tell you this, talking to a lot of head coaches in college basketball, they don't mind the NIL. It, it's it's not it's new, and they're adjusting. I think they're having trouble with the NIL with the high school player who commits to the school and then expects a large amount of money or some kind of NIL money before they get on campus. They haven't done anything yet, right? NIL was supposed to be for what you've done, what you've produced. Um, I didn't see it as a as a program where you were getting the money on the front end. You were getting the money on based on what you did at your school and who you were at your school. Um, so I think that's the big part for the college coaches that are kind of opposed to this. No doubt. All right, Paul Biancardi, ESPN. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You were texting me last week during the, uh, the UVA game, that, that ugly UVA game, 49-47, last Saturday against Wake. Uh, then Monday... Yeah. You know, my, my Hokies whoop them. I mean, by 34, just a, a shockwave type of win. And now Virginia gets to host Carolina tomorrow, a fresh Carolina team that's had a week off. Although Matt Doherty told me in studio yesterday he hates that they're coming into this game with a week yeah. off. I, I don't know how to read with this one, Paul. What are you thinking? Well, first of all, I, I agree with Matt because when you get a week off, sometimes you get a little bit out of rhythm. I'm not going to say you get rusty, but when you're playing a Wednesday, Saturday, or, or, or Thursday, Saturday, you get in a rhythm. Uh, your team gets that intensity level twice a week. And when you get a whole week off, it, it may be good if you have injury. Uh, this one's a tough one to handicap now. Um, you know, some of the ones I handicapped in the past, I was texting you that came out the right way. This one's a tough one because Virginia is 14 at home this year, 14 and one at home. They're not very good on the road. We know the offensive woes that they have, but they have a defense that can keep them in the game. The question will be, can they muster up enough offense? Uh, to win this game. Uh, North Carolina, top team in the ACC scoring. They're a great rebounding team. And what I love about Carolina is that they're one of the best in the country at free throw attempts and makes. You know, they have all the makings of a Final Four team. But as we know in conference play, uh, things can be different. Like last night I had Gardner-Webb and Radford. Radford beat Gardner-Webb at Gardner-Webb by 20. Gardner uh, Radford was last place in the Big South going into that game. I like Virginia in this one in a close one in the high 50s. Mm, how about that? My buddy Darius Nichols doing a good job at Radford, though. I know they're struggling this He's year. He's doing a great job. Yeah, we, we grew up together. I'm a big Darius Nichols fan. All right, uh, then, Paul, we also have uh, Duke and Wake Forest tomorrow at the Joel up in Winston-Salem. And my guy Smoke was pushing me on this one the other day because, you know, Wake needs it, but I, I've yet to see Steve and company win the big game that they need at Wake. I also know it's a tough place yeah. to play, and Wake's motivated. So I can see this one going either way. Yeah, and let me just say this. The JPJ of Virginia is going to be rocking national yes. TV, Carolina. Same thing here at Wake Forest. I mean, they shoot the ball so well. This is two great offensive teams, two of the best offensive teams, I think, in the country. 
and Duke is very good defensively, and they rebound well. Uh, this environment's going to be hard. Wake Forest shoots it at 37% from three. They need their front court in this game. They need Carr, and they need Reed. I think Reed followed out in the last game, if I'm correct. They need Reed against Filipowski because Filipowski and Mark Mitchell, they went for 44 points and 18 rebounds. I thought they were the big difference the first time around at Duke. I think Wake Forest can get Duke in this game, but I think it's going to be real close. What, what about the, the emergence of Jared McCain? What are we watching from him right now? What I've seen in high school. Yeah. I mean, no different. Gamer, big-time shot maker, plays with a lot of moxie, great team defender, great locker room player, uh, plays unafraid, highly skilled in the pick-and-roll, highly skilled open shooter. You know, he's got that moxie, right? He's not afraid to take that big open shot at Wake Forest if they're down three. Uh, he's had all the makings of greatness from high school. He was a top 10 recruit, and uh, he had the intangibles plus the talent. Uh, it be a tough environment for him. He'll have to play well. Proctor and Roach, as older guys, will have to lead the way for McCain and Foster. All right, I'll let you go on this, Paul. NC State at home again tomorrow. I felt like they really missed an opportunity against Syracuse a couple of nights ago. But let's be honest, both teams needed that game. Um, how much work does State have to wow. do here? I mean, how much work does State have to do? And, I mean, tomorrow feels like one they absolutely cannot lose. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I worked at BC for seven years, met my wife there, but my daughter, Alyssa, is a graduate of NC State, <laughs> so I'm torn on this game. Uh, but definitely, this is one NC State can't lose, we'll say, right? Because if they lose, they continue to drop further down. BC is a tough out. They have maybe the most underrated player, I think, in the ACC in Quinton Post. Oh, yeah. He's fit. He's fantastic. You know, he reminds me of Filipowski in many ways, and the NBA scouts think he's not that far away from Filipowski. So BC is going to be tough. They're gritty defensively. They can score points, and Post is a go-to guy. And for, for Keats and, and, and State, they have to continue to rely on their balance scoring. Horn's been fantastic for them. He's got to play big. Their defense has to show up in terms of forcing turnovers. And D.J. Burns will have to do some work inside against Post. It's an even matchup. It's a toss-up. I know it's at NC State, but the pressure is on State. Paul, we, we appreciate you, buddy. Look forward to it every week. Enjoy the games this weekend and uh, enjoy the call. We'll talk to you next Friday. All right, Kyle. Thanks for having me. There you buddy. go. Paul Biancardi with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. All guests here on WFNZ brought to you by our friends at Body Works Plus. I uh, can't think of a better collision spot to take your car if you got roughed up. Shout out to my friend Brian Davies and the folks at uh, Body Works Plus for all their help. 704-570-9610. Hit us up on the text line. Uh, we got a reaction from Paul on that, but if you're just tuning in, the news is the news. Um, Tennessee and Virginia. Tennessee and Virginia. I mean, just kind of legally speaking, backhanded the NCAA into the next universe. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the, I'm looking at some of the court documents, the uh, conclusion here, the ruling rather, and the court said basically any attempt to restrict NIL by the NCAA is impermissible pending a likely finding of antitrust violations. The NCAA's dead, man. Like, is this, I know we've, we've talked about it in figurative terms before, but like today, whatever time that ruling broke might be the official time of death of the NCAA. No, no, literally. I'm putting the final nails on the coffin right here to the NCAA. That like, you're dead. It's just enormous. Um, more states are going to join. Oh, the, yeah. The NCAA now can officially not enforce its NIL policy. It's over. I mean, college football is certainly breaking away.
There's no question about that. Basketball won't be far behind. No, and well, even still, I mean, they're going to, now that you've reached this point, I do think the only logical conclusion here, the logical end point, is for these organizations, these universities and the programs to start treating these athletes as employees to, to sign, sign them to contracts, as Jay Billis has said for years now. Um, you know, I wasn't, I, I thought at one point years ago, you could probably get by with just NIL. And that if they'd done this years and years ago, we might not even be at this point right now. But, you know, greed and the power of the almighty dollar got us here. And, you know, so many of the uh, the, the robber barons of the NCAA's years past refused to share. And now this is where we are. Over under how many days till Charlie Baker goes on one of these networks pleading for the government to help him? I, I mean, th- that's already happening. That's, that's what we're watching happen right now. I mean, this is this is the decision. I, I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but this is monumental. When these courts agree with Tennessee and Virginia and say, no, the NCAA cannot enforce its NIL policy, and any attempt to do so would trigger an antitrust violation, where do you go from there? So, 704-570-9610, Terrell just said wellness check on the NCAA. They could use one. They could use one. Let's go to smoke on the headlines. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, Kyle. So, uh, you know, going, there is some actual good news in college sports. This doesn't really help the NCAA at all. But uh, for the first time ever, the Big Ten's women's basketball tournament, tournament, women's basketball tournament in Minneapolis has completely sold out. More than 109,000 fans are expected to attend per front office sports. Guess which teams in the Big Ten? Iowa. What? What? I know they're in the Big Ten. What do you mean? Well, it's the Caitlin Clark effect. Oh, yeah. Okay, I got you. I'm sorry. The Big Ten tournament in women's has completely sold out. Right, right, right. No, I got you. I got you on that front. They they got upset, by the way, last night. Yeah. Well, Simply Hall sold out, too. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When's the last time you've seen that for a women's game? In That's city? exciting, man. That's a, it's a big deal. That's a, good for them. What else you got? All right. Uh, now we're starting to see a lot of uh, players get cut here on this Friday to uh, for salary cap savings. The most notable ones have come from the Miami Dolphins first. Emmanuel Ogba. If you're a Panthers fan, you might remember that name. He was a hopeful to be drafted here in 2016. He did not, but he's been around the league. He got let go after signing a four-year, $65 million deal in 2021. Things haven't gone as well in Miami. And the bigger name from this cut list has been four-time Pro Bowler Xavier Howard being let go by the Dolphins. I'm interested. You? I mean, especially with an extra, you know, $30 million in cap space now. Yeah, I- I'm not, you know, it's a flyer in my opinion because he's not been as good the last couple of years. He is 30 years old, but I'd sniff around at least. All right, we'll come back. We'll wrap up the hour. Willie P stops by. Charlotte FC returns tomorrow night. We'll chat with Willie P for a couple of minutes. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Nick Richards of the Charlotte Hornets. You're listening to Kyle Billy on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Right side for Westwood. Westwood down the flank right side for Josiak. Camille crossed into the area. Is blocked down. He gets it back, though. Camille to the center of the park. Vargas gets around his man. A shot. They score! A Vargas fault on decision day as Charlotte FC opens the scoring. Cameron has scored in consecutive games against Inter-Miami. Well, you heard it right there. Decision day. Kerwin Vargas, Inter-Miami, playoffs. Willie P was excited that day, and I bet he's going to be uh, similarly excited tomorrow night as Charlotte FC is back. Join Willie P and Jessica Sharman tomorrow night as Charlotte FC opens their 2024 season at home against New York City FC. The WFNZ Doghouse presented by Jack Daniels will open at 4.30 with the help of our sponsors, Pepsi, JJ's Red Hots, and Planet Kia. The pregame starts at 7, and all the action begins at 7.30 right here on Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. And uh, let's bring in Will Palachik on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You're about to get your fix, buddy. You jonesing for some soccer right about now? You said I'm excited tomorrow. I'm excited now. I'm ready to play it. Let's go. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, uh, give us a glimpse into the squad. I overheard your uh, your, your spiel. I I mean that respectfully, by the way, with Hoggard the other day about, you know, what this team's going to look like, what the expectations should be, some of the roster changes. So for anybody who just has forgotten about what happened last year or has not followed this team throughout the offseason, what changes were made and uh, what's this team, what's the squad going to look like? A lot of the same faces. In fact, you know, we were going through it today in the uh, in the office that you know nine of eleven guys who started the game that was the playoff game against NYCF against the New York Red Bulls rather returned to this squad. Unfortunately, two of the big ones that will not return are the two designated players, the two highest paid players from last year, Carol Swiderski and Camille Juzviak. Uh, Juzviak left on a permanent transfer, uh, Swiderski on a loan to Italy. And so that basically brings a lot of opportunity into the squad in terms of how Charlotte FC is going to get goals. I feel like there's going to be a lot more of a diverse attack. They want to go through the middle, not just on the flanks, which is something they did a lot over the first two seasons in terms of more on the wings. So you are going to see them try to get the ball to their striker, Enzo Capetti, who's back from a year ago. And what they did this year, Kyle, not too dissimilar to a baseball team, they kind of promoted the kids a little bit. They had a bunch of guys who were on their team that – won the reserve league, the MLS Next Pro League last year, uh, that they promoted to the first team, guys including uh, Joao Pedro, as well as uh, Nikola Petkovic, Yuri Tavares, and also uh, a guy who turned 16 yesterday, and then Pasha Burkimas, who is somebody who very well could make his first team debut tomorrow. Uh, there's a lot of youth, but I also feel like a lot of opportunity. And one of the other things, too, that is great is that the way it works in soccer, you can have until April to add to your roster in the first transfer window, there's another one that comes in the summer. So they're not done adding to this roster. They've made a couple of different uh, pleas to try and make additions with a couple of uh, five, uh, at least seven-figure transfers, I should say. Unfortunately, hasn't come to pass. But uh, 
as they always say, the roster is an evolving organism. So it should be interesting <laughs> to see how it goes uh, uh, over the course of these first couple of weeks. But uh, I think we're all very excited about it. All right. Well, yeah, Dean Smith is here. And we you know we, all the jokes are in the rear view now, but stop it, smoke. We don't need more four corners jokes. All right. But um, Dean Smith is here. He's been on the station. You've talked to Dean Smith. We've gotten a sense of what he's about. But in his first match tomorrow as, as the manager of this, this squad, any expectations, anything you're looking for? You know, it's weird. I see a lot of parallels between him and Steve Clifford because one of the things he keeps talking about is being tough to beat, being co- compact defensively, and having a sense of trying to make sure that they have themselves organized in the defensive end and that almost that it's a lost art when it comes to soccer. Everybody wants to look at, you know, the, the magical goals and things of that nature, but he wants to bring a sense of freedom, but also a sense of structure at the same time. So I do feel like it is going to be a scenario where you see guys playing a lot more freely, but, but also having an attention and atonement to the defensive end. And he wants to basically organize a team that, works well on what's called the counter press, the ability to get the ball back when they've lost it. I think you're going to see Charlotte FC very much more active on the defensive end in the opponent's other half to try and make sure that the other team doesn't have the ball for long. And when they get it back, they'll score. One of my favorite things he said over the course of the preseason is don't make a good chance better. Too many times last year, they tried to basically dribble the ball into the net, Kyle. Uh, They want to take shots. They want to make shots. And uh, basically Dean says, if you get your opening, uh, don't miss. Don't miss. I like that. Will Pelagic, Willie P., the voice of Charlotte FC. He's with us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. What are we expecting tomorrow? 60,000, is that right? According to Joe Labou's last update from us, he said they were approaching 60,000. One of the things he said to me yesterday is that last year, I think a lot of guys kind of wait on the weather, and it seems like we got some good news on that uh, over the course of the last couple of hours, that any rain we might get might be uh, happening early, so it should be out of the picture by the time uh, match day goes. But he said over the last couple of days, a year ago for the opener, they got about a, about a 5,000 person walk-up. So they're expecting a pretty big walk-up tomorrow. So somewhere in the neighborhood of 60, maybe 65,000, possibly approaching last year's total uh, going into tomorrow. All right. So, you know, 2022 and 2023 under our belt, so to speak. Year three of Charlotte FC from a cultural standpoint. We, we just said it, 60,000 expected for the opener. That's incredible. Clearly, there's a strong culture, but cultures evolve, and you know there's still a newness about this organization, and, and even the MLS, in a sense. Like In terms of the growth of the Charlotte FC culture, fan culture, things that are taking place inside the stadium on match day, Like, what can you tell people out there who still maybe haven't been to a match or don't know that much about it? What growth have you seen, culturally speaking, with this club? Well, I think it's an electric vibe, and I think the fans really take to the players as well. Like, I think you start to see guys who who have favorites, and you know everybody's got a different player who they like. But I think at the end of the day, that the thing that's great about going to a game is that I know people think when you watch soccer on TV, there's not a lot of action, but when you watch it in person, it, it just hits different. I feel like you have a sense of there always being something going on. It doesn't have the stop start of football or basketball. Uh, it almost kind of feels, and I heard the guys talking about this morning, it kind of feels like hockey in a way where the ball is constantly moving. You always have to kind of keep your head on the swivel to figure out where it's going. And, and every moment there can be that breakthrough. And uh, I'll say it, there's, there's nothing like seeing and feeling the celebration that comes from watching a goal happen, whether it's something that comes off a giveaway or just a teamwork and a goal there. And, and the euphoria you get, uh, it, it's unlike, I think, anything we've seen in this city since, uh, at least from the Panthers' perspective, we had those uh, those great playoff run years under Cam and the rest. 
All right, two quick things to let you go. Hornets moved to 4-0 and last night. They win in Utah for the first time in 18 years. I mean, there's still 27 games under 500, but damn if this doesn't feel like a new team in a new season already, Willie P. What are you thinking right now? Vibes definitely changed on the entire front, Cal, especially because I do feel like the guys who are existing are taking from the new guys, and they're getting that hunger. They're playing a lot better defense. They followed up a 35-point third quarter and points allowed last night to kind of come back and really shut things down against Utah. They went on a 29-6 to run and really kind of posted themselves up and, and got themselves a victory. I think Grant Williams has kind of been that heart and soul that the Hornets have been yearning for. And I'm curious to see what it looks like when LaMelo and Mark come back. I know that Mark's a little further off and LaMelo's been practicing with the squad, but uh, I feel like it's something that you can use as a, a building block for next year, especially after you get some of these other contracts off the board. All right, last thing, uh, the NBA, NA, excuse me, NFL salary cap exploded beyond what almost anyone expected earlier today, an additional $30.6 million teams are going to have to spend. And that seems to potentially solve Carolina's problem with, with getting Brian Burns under contract. And I, I emphasize the seams. What do you think this means for, toward that end? Well, I think the two sides have to get themselves together. I do feel like a tag is eminent when you feel like that's going to happen before March the 5th. I don't think anything is going to really materialize on the, the contract front between now and then. So I feel like it'll be a tag and then a waiting process. We always know the deadlines spur action with those things. I don't know if we're going to see anything right away, but it definitely does behoove the Panthers to get this done before the draft because I think any tag and trade scenario would have to include something when it comes to draft capital coming back that could help the Panthers immediately. But if you don't see anything past the draft, then uh, I do feel like it's something where the two sides have to get together. I think Brant Tillis is the key figure in this whole thing because he's at least one of the new members of trying to make sure that, hey, you know, we did like this is your value. We want to have you as part of this organization. But obviously there has to be uh, some dollars and cents that have to make sense for the rest of this team because – Quite honestly, beyond Brian Burns, he's not the only need of this team. They need wide receivers, they need linemen, they need other parts of the defense. And I think that they have to find out how that fits in the equilibrium of the entire franchise. Willie P., tell Jess I said hello. Happy for both of you that you're back doing what you love, and we will be listening. Thank you, brother. we got to get you out to a game, Cal. Make it happen. Hey, baby's here. I, I can I can venture out in public again. We will do that this summer. I assure really? you that. There you go. Willie P., with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. 704-570-9610. Uh, great stuff. Somebody just, Juan M. just called Willie P. the Lawrence Welk of Sports Talk Radio. Damn it. I wish I'd seen that when he was on the air. I could have asked him how he felt about that. The Lord, That is a reference, Juan, that I, I bet you less than 15% of our audience gets. I barely get it. And that's only because I've been around old folks who talked about the Lawrence Welk show. Did you ever watch the Lawrence Welk show, Smoke? I was just looking up who Lawrence Welk was. You didn't have a, you didn't have a clue, did you? No. no. Yeah. He, I mean, he died over 30 years ago. Uh. Yeah, yeah, died over 30 years ago, May 17th, 1992, RIP. His show ended in 1982. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, AJ just says, I'm not predicting it yet, but damn, it would make my year if Walker wins the bet on number of wins and Footy has to do a show covered in peanut butter. Hold on, Tom. What happened? Yeah, that's the bet we were talking about with Fitty before or Footy before the show. Yeah, I wasn't. I, I got in late and I wasn't so, paying attention. So before the season started for the Hornets, uh, Walker made a bet with Footy or Fitty, whatever you want to call him, um, that if the Hornets were to win, I believe either thirty-six or thirty-seven games or more, he would have Fitty would have to have peanut butter over his head during a show. How many games again? Thirty-six, thirty-seven. I mean, bro, they got to win twenty-three of twenty-seven remaining to do that 
So you're telling me there's a chance. I mean, sure. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's a joke. It's a joke. But, I mean, they haven't lost since the trade deadline. Come on, bro. 20, 23 of 27? You don't believe that? No, I don't. No, you don't believe that. <laughs> it'd be funny. It'd be funny if it gets close, though, and see Fitty start to squirm a little bit, having have potentially peanut butter on his head. Mm, that's true. All right, we'll come back. Hour number three. We, we're still rolling here. Nate Wimberly, WBTV in studio, I think. Next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.